Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Real Rant, the place where we like to rant about the real stuff. My name is Brendan McGee, and sitting across from me on occasions is the spectacle with spectacles. Who are you, dude? Nick Cardabian. How you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, really excited about this one. We did a recording for The Last Jedi two years ago now. Yep. Um, that was a good time. That was back when we only had the small little recorder. Now we've got all the separate microphones and all the doohickeys and all that jazz. Um, so everything sounds a little bit more legit. But uh, the excitement, is it in the air a little bit? Definitely. 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 I can feel the excitement in okay. the air. It is flows that, through all of us. Is the excitement as similar going into this film the same as it was for Last of the Jedi? Um, I think the excitement for this film was a lot bigger. Yeah. Um, because like this is this is the end of the saga. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like this is one, this is the second like last Star Wars movie <laughs> in our lifetime. Yeah. Right? But also, like, we're all expecting so many questions to be answered in this one, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like, are Ray's parents actually just nobody? Who's the big baddie? Is Kylo Ren going to turn good? Are they just going to fight? Are they going to make out? Like, who knows, What's going right? to happen? What's going to happen? So I feel like the excitement going to this one was a lot bigger. Mm. You know mm. what I mean? So for you, you felt more excited going into it. I think so, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 nervous, I, but nervous. excited as well. Nervous. I guess we'll get into those nerves. Um, yep. Me, on the other hand, I just, I don't know, like... Here's the thing, and I've said this a lot in in our recordings of Star Wars and stuff like that, um, because they're all relevant to the Skywalker generation, the Skywalker lineage. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really care about Skywalkers. <laughs> I really don't. I don't like the heroic tale of the character and their lineage. I just, I just don't really care about them. I'm very much into the Star Wars lore and kind of more to do with like the world outside of like the skywalkers and the people that revolve around them in their day to day. Um that's why when Mandalorian came out I was super excited because I was like, "Yay, a product about Star Wars that has nothing to do with the skywalkers." Now, Brendan, I'm going to have to tell you you're wrong, but I <laughs> feel like in order to do that, I'm going to need a little bit of backup. Oh. And I think there's somebody in this room that would be willing to back me up. It's the naughty, naughty boy of the Star Wars world. Uh, very, very, um, who is, what, what What can we say about him other than being very critical? And uh, that's what I meant to say. I didn't mean to say naughty, but critically naughty as he's very nitpicky about everything. I think he complained about there being paper for the first time in Star Wars in The Last of the Jedi, and we have never let him down since. And who are you, dude? Okay, number one. (laughs) Number one, I was not critical about paper. I was just observant there was paper. Also, hello, I'm Graham Grierson. (laughs) How's it going, Graham? Lovely to be back, enjoying myself. Yeah. Doing well, how about you? I'm pretty good. Yeah, I said a little bit of excited about this one. Um, Also a bit nervous, as Nick kind of mentioned, but... um, Going into this film, um, how were you feeling? Honestly, uh, my expectations were set pretty low after after the past couple of movies. I mean, Solo, I enjoyed just because of the Which fact Which is that, weird. Uh, well, that's the thing is <laughs> I didn't enjoy it because of the fact that it was a good movie. I enjoyed it because it was a, a fun, isolated story. I didn't feel like it was going to affect the main storyline at all because you know the character 
at the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. So I figured that it's going to open up some other pathways within this section of time that we haven't experienced yet, Mm -hmm. but it's not, it's not sort of like game changing in any way. Yeah. And it also added like a little bit of extra stuff, right? Like when uh, Han Solo did the Kessel run in uh, 12 parsecs, right? 12, was it 12? he, He rounded down. He definitely ran it down. Yeah, because it was it was like twelve point two in the end, didn't he? Wasn't I it? I can't remember exactly Something. what he said, but he said twelve, and someone disagreed. It's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah, I have to say, um, ever since Disney acquired the rights to Lucasfilms and all the properties associated with it, I think what they're doing is good. Uh, because I like the Star Wars world, and somebody with a lot of money can make. My dreams come true in that, like I said earlier, basically push out more product that's not Skywalker related. I feel like going to this movie, I had like not I'm not going to say low expectations, but more just being like, all right, this is the last film of the Skywalker story. And and that's what I wanted. I wanted closure. I wanted closure to the story. I wanted, like I said at the beginning of the episode. I want to know more Skywalker stuff. I get the the understanding that it's like small people in a big world in a big world and like it's easier to follow a narrative with one person, but I feel like it's difficult enough for these people to like even follow a singular storyline without including all this extra stuff like the Knights of Ren and we'll get into them. In case you haven't figured it out by now, uh, this is our spoiler cast discussion of Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. Yes, it is. And um, I think we can just really get right into it. But before we do, we should probably do the plugs, hey, Nick? Let's do them. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Brendan underscore McGee. That is B-R-E-A-N-D-A-N underscore M-C-G-H-E-E. Thanks, Mom and Dad. And Nick, where can they find you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Nick Carter D. That's N-I-C-K-C-A-R-T-E-R-D. If you want to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter at The Real Rant Pod. If you are a fan, filmmaker, or a creator, you can go ahead and send us a message because we'd love to hear from you. And if you're feeling real jazzy, you can go ahead and send us an email at therealrantpodcast at gmail.com. Send us something nice, mean, or in between. It's all juicy just the same. If you want to follow us on Instagram, you can go ahead and do so at therealrant, all one word, no spaces, where we post behind-the-scenes photos of what's going on in our lives when we're in front of a microphone and sometimes when we're not. And if you want to help out the show, you can go ahead and hit that five-star review and also smack that subscribe button because, hey... We want you to come back so we can keep on speaking to those earlobes. It also helps the show move, keeps us motivated, and uh, how, how do you feel about that, Nick? Let's do it. Yeah, boy. Do it. And last but certainly not least, you can go ahead and visit our website at therealrant.com, where all of the links that I've just mentioned you can find in the top left-hand corner of the homepage. Next time on The Real Rant, we will be discussing Quentin Tarantino's ninth film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with a very special guest, Peter Rollis from Movie Buzz. So stay tuned for that. So as we said at the top of the episode, this is the spoiler cast. So from here on out, we're going to spoil some stuff. How do you guys feel about Ray being a Palpatine? Okay, hold on. Before we get into that, we <laughs> do need to recognize that when Disney bought this, 
They bought 7, 8, 9, and then 10, 11, 12 as well. This is just going to be the end of the Skywalker saga. Yeah. So the next ones, they're not going to do another trilogy. They're going to do three more standalone movies that are going to be 10, 11, and 12. Oh, really? That's what I've heard, yes. I've heard that they are going to go back in time and kind of do some stuff with the Old Republic. All I want <laughs> is a scene of a Jedi making a lightsaber yeah that's all i want yeah that's all that's what i wanted in this movie we already experienced that in video games enough though but uh, no i don't care about the video games though it's not the video games i don't care about video games okay here here let's let's stop there for a second um this actually leads into a problem that i have with the entirety of the star wars series and i mentioned it on the last episode that you were on graham about two years ago the new a new hope um, it was there's no paper because i agree (laughs) no it's my it's my problem with star wars um and and as a whole um i love star wars i'm not a huge fan of the skywalkers as as i've said a thousand times already but i think the problem with star wars is it suffers from way too many things in something that can be very simple as a whole a new hope was a great film because you didn't need any explaining as to what a stormtrooper was, what a Darth Vader was, what you know Darth Vader's generals were. There was the good guys and the bad guys, and that was it. And everyone just understood those lines of delineation, right? My problem is, is uh, when we when we have a New Hope, we've got we've got everything there. As we move on from a New Hope, we start to expand out a little bit. And the first instance of the issue of the Star Wars universe, you I could kind of point to in the original trilogy or the saga or whatever you want to call it is Boba Fett. He's a character who becomes idolized and then gets stories and all this stuff in the background, but it's not a part of the movie, but he's this character that kind of just appears and everyone's kind of drawn to him. And this backstory gets to created and same with a bunch of other characters and stuff like that. But he's kind of a perfect example that's been placed into the original series. That's kind of there that you want to know about, but you don't know. And it's kind of this out-of-reach element. We move into um, uh, the prequel series, and we see a lot of this in the same sense of um, we're getting the younglings, and we we know kind of generally where they're coming from. It's just Force-sensitive people with midichlorians and, and whatever. But like you say, Nick, we never get to see the creation of a, of, of a lightsaber. One of the most important things that you think you should see in a story about Jedi, right? Like, that's something you should get. But we don't get it, considering the element of a lot of the reason why people really like these movies is the lightsaber. And then we move into the new trilogy. The new trilogy suffers from this like it's going out of style. We've got Captain Phasma, we've got the Knights of Ren, and we've got uh, General Snoke. Uh, we have all Supreme th- Leader Supreme Leader Snoke or whatever. Respect the title. Yeah, <laughs> well, he's dead, so who rank cares? has its privileges. <laughs> but we have all these things, and they and now they've just gone and cluster fucked into this. Well, no, just accept it because it is this. But it's like mm, there is no clear lines of. Like, it's not like the first movie where we know good is good and bad is bad. You know, we and, and, and we don't need answering to who's good and who's bad because they already have a story because the good guys are the good guys and the bad guys are the bad guys. We just accept that for what it is. But then when we get these certain things that kind of these characters or these little plots and things like that where you're just kind of like made to accept, it starts to kind of 
it starts to kind of ruin it for me where I'm just like, okay, well, why aren't we explaining that? And, and that's the problem with Star Wars is the only way you can explain that is if you go on Wikipedia or Wikipedia or you go and read a book or a comic book or whatever. You know what I mean? And that's my problem with the Star Wars series, uh, Star Wars as a whole is that you will be introduced to these things within the main stories, but they're never answered and 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 maybe they are to some extent. So you guys are gonna jump in here in a second, and I'm sure a lot of listeners are gonna be like, "Oh, what the hell are you getting to?" But my problem, it, it, my 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 main issue is like, we just don't get everything, and it's like, well, why introduce it if you're not gonna talk about it? Do you know what I mean? It's it's not a, it, it is as simple as the good guys and bad guys. That's what this story is. Don't add extra shit to confuse people or to sell toys. But at the end of the, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what half this market is, is Star Wars is selling shit. Anyways, go ahead and jump in before I kind of lose myself here. Um, I will Do you kind of get what I'm saying, though? I, I understand what you're saying. Um, that's not necessarily where I'm coming from. Okay. Um, and just to what you're saying, I think with anything in star, in, in uh, sci-fi, uh, you kind of have to just go, okay, this is how it is, right? Yeah, but you know, You understand what get, I mean? Yeah. People people get pissy though about the Transformer movies because they say the same que- they ask the same question. Yes, but also look at Lord of the Rings, right? With Lord of the Rings, something's introduced, and then it's like, mm. okay, I'll just accept this. But then it's explained in another book. Now it's just because it's not as commercialized or um, Disneyized, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like it's not to s- sell the toys, but it's the same thing with any sci-fi or fantasy. There's a lore to it, and there's there's going to be extended universe that isn't explicitly said in the the mainstream media, but can be explained if you search for it. I guess that's a good point. Um, I know, I know you're going to jump in here in a second. I do just want to say one more thing okay, yes, about sir. why I really wanted to see somebody make a lightsaber. <laughs> Sorry, dude. It's okay. It's just because... I thought I was getting to a point that you had on your mind, too. Well, like, the Jedi experience isn't just, like, training for sensitive people. It's... Like, part of it is sort of religious or at least spiritual, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And making a lightsaber is so personal to the Jedi that I really wanted to see, like, how um, they acquired the kyber kyber? Kyber crystal. Kyber crystals. Forming the silhouette of the lightsaber. How each piece goes into what. And even, like, the color. Because originally when Star Wars was made, it was, like... Blue is good guys and red is bad guys. And then all of a sudden Luke comes back with a green lightsaber and it's exciting. Then we get the prequels and there are a bunch of different colors. Um, And so with that, they took that and gave meaning to each of the different colors. So how is the color assigned to the Jedi or do they choose which path they want to take? Or like that's sort of what I was really hoping for with this movie was I was hoping Rey would locate a Jedi temple and uh harvest a kyber crystal mm. and create her lightsaber and so i was a little disappointed with this one when that didn't happen i love um we could still get that in in a like an I, extended edition. and that's what i mean like i would i i don't think we'll find that with an extended edition of this movie mm. i think we'll it'll take another movie of like um a different story what's his name the last padawan his name's Kanan. He was the last Padawan. He somehow escaped Order 66. And there's a comic book series, and I think a book series as well, that's all about 
um, how he lives. And he might have been in Star Wars Rebels, probably, which I haven't watched. But what I'm trying to say is there are pieces of the Star Wars universe that they could have easily included and that I was hoping for. And I just didn't really see in this movie. Graham, what would you like to add on to this conversation? Yeah. I think my best two kind of conversations. My, going on. The point that comes to mind when we're talking about the idea of them introducing the, the mechanics behind building a lightsaber, I think no matter what, if they were to show somebody building a new one, the biggest question the audience is going to ask for would be then explain the instability behind Kylo Ren's and why is it so different? Because it, it's much more theat- it's much more theatrical than anything else. But the thing is, you see him with a lightsaber when Luke was training him initially. Yeah, he had a green lightsaber, right? Mm-hmm. No, he had a blue. His was yes, yeah, sorry. It was blue because Luke, yeah, Luke had his green. green. I guess what I was trying to lead into with your guys' discussion was the fact that my frustration is is why I mean, I guess I guess your frustration is that you're not really seeing those things in this film. I think it goes further back in the sense that like we don't see a lot of things in these films because we are kind of begged to, as fans of the Star Wars universe, to go on and basically get more information by paying more money. And but, I and I don't like that about Star Wars. But I think that's the same with all massive universe I, fantasy or sci-fi, right? Gonna, like it is the same with Lord I of the Rings. I was going to jump that. I was going to jump in and say something about that in regards to, like I don't, when I don't, when I think of Lord of the Rings, I'm not, I'm, I'm never going out. There's never anything that comes out that's like, oh, I should go and read this comic book. Like, Star Wars is a franchise along with it being like a toy line or a, or a book. There's just there's more, always more to it because there has to be because everyone needs to make... Like, ever since they made those first toys, that's just what it's ever been. It's always been. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess... I, I don't know. You are you are right, I guess, to some... to. In my I get, eye. Like, I, I, I see do, your perspective. I see what you're saying. I do understand what you're saying as well. Um, it's just frustrating because it's like, as a fan, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have to be going out and like, if you're going to give me a story about a, a, about a lineage of people of, of, of a family, give me all the information in those movies. Don't give me 75% of it and then make me go spend more money. I don't think it. your problem is with Star Wars. I think your problem is with capitalism. I think right now, <laughs> I think we're rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic think, right yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> I think the, the main problem that you have with it is a side effect of bringing other filmmakers in to continue this one story. Yeah. So you're yeah. you're having, first off, a filmmaker that comes into it and they want to make something that is very much Star Wars. Are we talking about J.J. Abrams? Very much their own. Yeah, J.J. Abrams. We're talking about Gareth Edwards. We're yeah, even about, in the prequels, right? Talk, like well, with, with Darth Maul having a double-ended lightsaber. Yeah. That was entirely because he was saying, I want to do something different. Yeah. Was, that, was it originally Ray Park saying that I have these abilities, I want to be able to display my it could be athletic that too. prowess? I, I never mean, got to ask him when I met him. So I, I wouldn't. That was that was that was a really subtle flex. There. Subtle flex, buddy. <laughs> I met him at a party once. I met a man who had seven lines in Star Wars. <laughs> I met him at a party once. It was a very interesting encounter. <laughs> Anyways, getting back to my point, it's it's the side effect number one of having filmmakers that want to add something new to Star Wars, mm-hmm. but at the same time are trying to perform fan service and pull information that's already established mm-hmm. to a certain extent. Because there, there's, an, there's a very dedicated fan base that they want to continue to come and feed this giant money-making monster that's been created. Do you think it's a lost cause to to essentially try to appease everyone? Just I, I mean, I, I think the one thing that I liked about Rain 
or Ryan Johnson is the fact that he just said F you to everybody and just did his own thing. I mean, granted that screwed up uh, the first 45 minutes of this movie, um, in my opinion, and we'll get into it, but I think that's why I liked his stuff is he wasn't trying to make anybody happy. He was trying to do whatever he wanted to do because that's his idea of what Star Wars is. And I think the reason why they brought J.J. Abrams back is they were trying to play it safe. They were trying to feed the monster. Mm-hmm. And the last, the last Jedi was very much an example of what Ryan Johnson thought Star Wars could be. And unfortunately, and be, rightfully uh, and so. A large amount of people disagreed with him and decided, no, that's not the way that we I, like so it. So actually, like, I didn't get to talk on The, the Last Jedi, but I would yeah, like yeah. to say that it had a lot of parts that I really, really liked. Mm-hmm. The movie in general, I might not have liked a whole lot, but I think the Luke versus Kylo scene near the end is the perfect Jedi battle. Yeah. A Jedi not drawing his lightsaber and being purely defensive and moving out of the way, mm-hmm. that's the way of the Jedi. Yeah. Now, do you think you feel that way because of your background in martial arts? I think definitely. <laughs> no, uh, no, that's, that's a, a good That's point. a completely yeah. valid question. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, I actually talked about this with someone about, and with my background in martial arts, and I think that's what they were going for Kylo with Kylo does that in this film, too. And I loved it. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, just really quick, Adam Driver in this movie was great. Yeah. I loved Adam Driver. I think he put on a phenomenal performance. I'm, and he did in The Last Jedi as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Going back to kind of what we were saying, though, I needed finality with this film. I, I was going to take whatever was given to me because I didn't really care at this point. Not because I didn't like any of the movies. I accepted them for what they are. And I always remain to be a loyal Star Wars fan because I don't care what they give me. Because it's just like, I'm not into this whole like, oh, I hate this or this shouldn't go this way because that's not my Star Wars. It's like... It's not your, you know what I mean? It's yes. not yours. It's who's ever making it. It's the people involved. They're doing it for you. So, you know what I mean? Like, if you don't like it, that's fine. They're going to make another one. <laughs> Deal with it. But it's just kind of like, you can pick and choose what you do and don't like. But at the end of the day, it's still a film and it's still a movie that you got. And um, I don't know. I, I just, with this movie, when I got to the end, I was just like, that's great. We're good. That's over. And I and I didn't want I didn't want anything more. Like I was happy with the Empire the Emperor being in it because I was like, well, Snoke's dead, we gotta figure something out. Like I will say, like, I think this movie did do a good job in trying to appease to both the marketing aspect and the fan service. Yeah. Um I could see that this movie was this trilogy in general, but this one specifically was trying to get like um representation more that fans mm-hmm. were asking for like in the big celebration at the end you see two women kissing and embracing each other and like i think they were actively and having a, a female protagonist um which we didn't you could say that leia was kind of a protagonist mm-hmm. in the original well, this trilogy, was leia's film but each film was i i remember reading somewhere that each film was like the Fir- force awakens was hans, hans film Luke's, Luke's film and then yeah. Leia's film. That definitely film. makes sense. Now, as far as inclusions goes, I think the one thing that we're forgetting here is that Chewbacca finally got his medal, guys. <laughs> yeah. He finally got his medal. That was the best. It only took you know how what? long? <laughs> I don't care about Chewbacca getting the medal, and here's why. So the Star Wars Christmas special. Chewbacca has a family. 
that he just left <laughs> and has not returned to. They could be all dead or living on a different world. I mean, the, he said he's 250 years old, isn't he? They let's said that let's be honest. He left decades and decades ago to find cigarettes, but he's in space and no he one went, sells death sticks anymore. <laughs> he, went, he went to buy milk. And it blue turns milk. out Luke is the only one with the blue milk. <laughs> um, you want to bite some death sticks? Nick, you were talking about the like appeasing marketing or mar- the market and what was the other thing you were saying fan service fan service i i do you mean market in the sense of like like product like we have this product we need to sell toys mm. we have this universe that we need to do something with go uh, do you think and like, like the disney side of it versus the star wars fan side of it if we compare um compare and contrast jj abrams and ryan johnson's choice of doing that you could say that ryan johnson was trying to basically ease people into like he was trying to basically say hey the marketable aspect of this film is good but it doesn't need to drive this film like these films as a whole star wars can stand on its own it doesn't need flashy captain phasmas or boba fett's they we can just have a thing and it and we can get rid of all the other shit like we don't need an extreme bad guy we can have good we can have evil in good characters and we can have good and evil characters i think that's a side effect of having someone who is a much more of an independent filmmaker being brought in to do something huge like this yeah whereas if you look at if you look at jj abrams's back catalog he came off the star trek movies he's done huge established franchises before he's a safe bet of marketing he's a safe bet so when you pull someone like ryan johnson who is doing a lot more independent films smaller story driven things then it's obvious he's going to put an emphasis on telling his own story yeah rather than trying to sell lego yeah that's a good point how are we feeling i kind of mentioned it right off the top how are we feeling about ray being a palpatine i'm not a fan yeah I think it was. I think it was not on purpose. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. I think it's similar to uh, the Dark Knight Rises, which was originally supposed to be another movie about the Joker. Yeah. And then when Heath Ledger died, they had to quickly scramble together Bane. Right. I think this is J.J. Abrams set up a movie. Ryan Johnson didn't follow through, and so J.J. Abrams is sort of dealing with both his setup and what Ryan Johnson did, and trying to. Because, yeah, you're right, Supreme Leader Snoke is dead. Who's the big baddie? Oh, Chancellor Palpatine, or the Emperor, sorry. Yeah, get his names right. Come on, man. They're all the same. Yeah, well, you got um, mad at me earlier because yeah, I, I called know. Snoke General Snoke. Well, yeah, well respect <laughs> his rank. Um, but, like, you, we can just call him Sheev. It's fine. <laughs> Everybody knows. We can just call him Jar Jar. It's fine. <laughs> Everyone knows. Darth Jar Jar. Oh, my God. All credit to J.J. Abrams, though. He managed to write the first 45 minutes of this script as just a funnel of just tying off all sorts of loose ends that yep. were left from the end of Last Jedi into telling the story that he wanted to tell. Yeah, that's and I, the thing. You can say what you problem. want about J.J. <laughs> Abrams, but he did that he very well. the master of retcon. Yeah. Absolutely. He, yeah, he does know how to tie things up in a nice little bow, but it affects pacing as a... As a, as a person that really, really, and I mean really, really admires pacing, 
This film had shit pacing for the first 45 minutes because of that retconning. I, 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 get, I get what you guys are trying to say, but the only way I can accept it, the only way I can come to justify as a fan, as a Star Wars fan, and being okay with it is comparing it to the last 45 minutes or last however long, 30 minutes leading up to uh, the first battle with the Death Star and A New Hope. Um, because I remember watching that movie with you um, for our first recording together and talking about how uh, how fast-paced that last little battle scene was. And I remember being a kid and it lasting way longer. And uh, and that's what the beginning of this 45 minutes felt like. I was just like, holy shit, uh, Chewie's dead? That What? Uh, oh, she can heal things now? Oh, oh okay. Like... You know, you're just kind of like, oh, okay, they're on a different planet. Now they're over here. Now they're over there. You just kind of like, Jesus Christ, I'm trying to keep up. I think the biggest issue I had going into this was the idea that they're mentioning the Emperor within the opening crawl. Yeah. It just felt like they were immediately hitting you over the head with, you don't know who the bad guy is. This is who he is now. Yes, I agree. And I feel like if they had just mentioned a mysterious broadcast... And Kylo was going to find out what it was and discovered that it was yep. Palpatine. Yep. That would have been a much better way to pace it. Why do you think they did that instead? Why do you think they, do you think it was for the kiddies? You think it was, it was quick for and the easy. children? I, I think, think it, it was quick and easy. Mm. It was quick and easy. And it, it, it was just an, an easy way to set it up so that the, the rebels had a reason to go as well. Mm. Because if the rebels didn't know about it, there would have been no reason for them to go find Evigal. What's the name of this? Exegol. Exegol. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was when we were in the film. I think there was more than one time where I was trying to figure out how in the hell Palpatine would have been able to sneak off and have a quickie with some lady to have a son. It took about seventeen or eighteen years between uh, Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. Okay, right? Because Luke was about seventeen. I mean, that's, that sounds yeah. about right. Yeah, he was. Yeah. yeah, it was about eighteen years. Yeah, yeah. and then it's thirty years from. Return of the Jedi to the new trilogy. And so that's 47 years yeah, roughly. That's yeah yeah. Okay, that's that the timing is right. I mean, I feel like somebody would have definitely fact-checked no, this. No, but at the same I mean probably, <laughs> but at the same time like uh he was Chancellor Palpatine. I'm sure he had an image to withhold. I'm sure he had a partner and like I think you know my, what I mean it's, I, I it's think, gonna be it's gonna be in a comic book somewhere. I think yeah of course I think my thing is it'll uh, be in the porn parody don't worry I think my thing was it's not <laughs> god damn you guys I think uh, I think my thing was is how like he's just so friggin old though like in, well, in his, I mean I guess Larry King is still getting kids and stuff but like he's that's like that's who you're going with <laughs> I, I object to your usage of the phrase getting kids <laughs> yeah. Having, I, I have ha- acquired kids. <laughs> I mean, that's not Larry King. <laughs> I um, have acquired but like, kids. But my thing is like, is it possible? That's what I was thinking about when I was watching this and Ray being revealed as a Palpatine. Is it possible? Is it realistic for her to be a Palpatine? It, I feel is like it, you're you're looking for realism in the wrong series. Yeah, right? I know that. I know that. But I think my thing is as like. Okay, if he did go off and have kids, he's an old fart. Is it realistic? Sure, it's realistic. 
But for the fact that we hadn't heard about it, that's that's my problem. And that's where that's my issue. Your guys is like, oh, he shoehorned in. My issue is more about time and how time works. No, and that's what that's what I, one of my issues is as well. Like it's yes, that he was just like thrown in there. Yeah. Um, but I feel like all of that is just quickly trying to be like, oh yeah, oh no, he's in there. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he had a kid. He had a kid. And then the kid married and then had another kid. And that's Ray. Yeah. yeah. Like, obviously, come on, guys, get get with it. Like, I, that's it just it's too convenient for me. Do my, you think. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say that my issue with it isn't that she's a Palpatine. My issue is how big of a deal they made of the reveal in Last Jedi of her parents being nobody. And it was perfect. It was I totally, love that her parents were It was totally fine. I was nothing. satisfied with that because it was proof that the force is not it's not passed down through genes necessarily it's just active within the world within the universe and it doesn't it's not bound by genetics there's not one family that is force sensitive that just splintered apart it's anybody can be and everybody has the force in them it's just those who are more sensitive about it right that's why we saw the kid at the end of the last jedi use the force to grab the broom which he was a little too casual about <laughs> but and a little it, bit too much like oliver twist oh oliver <laughs> please, please, sir, jedi I, oliver please, twist please sir can i have some more lightsabers <laughs> before we move away from this though my biggest question is knowing that because i did a little bit of reading and you kind of can deduce that jj abrams wasn't completely stoked on what ryan johnson did with the last jedi um because of what he tried to do basically like jj abrams tried to redo a new hope to basically engage a whole new generation of star wars fans and it worked and then Ryan Johnson went, well, let's tell a more complicated story to adults and kids. And that was that, in my opinion, I feel like that film was great because it focused on the good. Like I said, the good being having bad and the bad having good and that duality and also the good guys losing for once because the good guys never lose. That's true. But so like when, as we all know, because we did theater together one of the most basic rules of improv is yes and, right? And (laughs) J.J. Abrams did this setup and Ryan Johnson did not yes and. Yeah. He was, I'm going to make this standalone movie that's different I have a gun! (laughs) (laughs) He did did that. And you're dead. He pulled a Michael Scott in in an improv theater class. Exactly. (laughs) I have a gun and you're all dead. Individually, The Last Jedi is a pretty good movie. Yeah. For the trilogy, well, okay, but you understand what I'm saying, Yeah, I get what you're saying. As a trilogy, it did not fit with the vibe that J.J. Abrams had set up, and that's not okay. Yeah, it's not okay. And and I honestly think that Kathleen Kennedy and her outspoken words towards how much everyone thinks this was such a great film and why they went, hey, we're going to give Ryan Johnson three more movies to do on his own. I think, I think they. I want to. I want to believe that they really did think that this work was gonna be great, or his work in the Last of the Jedi was meant to be great. But I also want to hope that there wasn't some like background feeling like, well, if we don't say it's great, then everyone's gonna hate it because he totally screwed the pooch on us and kind of this is what we got. Now we got to make it for him. Do you know what I mean? Do you kind of get what I'm saying? I get what you mean. Yeah. But I, I think. Um, I think going back to uh, 
what I was trying to say about Ray and Palpatine or the question I wanted to ask. My main question was our sequel to force awakens. If it wasn't the last Jedi, do you think that Ray would have had a different parentage? I think possibly. I honestly think that she would have either been related to like, as we kind of, I think one of us had mentioned, I think she would have been related to Obi-Wan or, um, cause that makes sense. Or she was Luke's kid and Luke was keeping it a secret or Luke's granddaughter. I think a lot of people would have taken issue with that. In really? That, in that the Jedi weren't supposed to have children and that creates extra emotional attachment that. Yeah. But, um, that's the former Jedi order. Right? Yeah. Luke did not follow. Yeah, he did. That was his whole thing. That was his whole thing was yeah. he was rebuilding the Jedi order, but he, not in the same way, not in, uh, in the, um, not in such a binary sense. He rebuilt it, um, studying all of the texts, but the way Jedi's should be. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what we, we got into a little bit with the, this trilogy. Mm-hmm. And I think they kind of, they kind of mirror that into some regard with C-3PO's character where, um, and the film kind of, and I think that's what I appreciate about J.J. Abrams, the inclusion of C-3P on this film is like, he, he's only meant to kind of do good things in that he's not allowed to translate out loud Sith scripture. I think that was an important thing that they did because it shows that when they went against those rules, it went, Hey, like we can be a little bit off the cuff here and also have a little bit of evil like in these good characters like i i think as a whole this trilogy does what the all the other films that came before didn't which is play with the good and the bad like that's what i keep on coming back to this idea of like how the good is can have bad and the bad can have good in it do you know what I mean? And I think that's what this trilogy as a whole has done really well. It's made able to say that there is this gray area. And that's what I really liked about Last of the Jedi is that like, um, what's his face's character? Um, Benicio del Toro's character was in the last Jedi. He was, he was very much just a mercenary though. And it, it exactly. Ended on He's like terms. the good guys are the bad guys and the bad guys are the good guys. There's no difference. Everybody's, you know, who the people that the same guys that you're selling, you know, you're buying your rebel ships from, they're also selling um they're also selling first order ships right mm-hmm. like it's everybody's contracted to, you know it's just, it's the same it mirrors the real world it's a do it's an issue that we have as a society it it is that we all see either the black or the white there is this massive gray area and i think that the these trilo- this trilogy tries to show us that in the character of ray as well that there is two aspects and that's why i was okay to some regard why she was a palpatine because it goes to show yeah her lineage is not good that is, but... that is one thing i enjoyed about this movie was they definitely they paid good attention to the internal power struggle between good and evil that she was going through and not no necessarily other st- evil but yeah uh sort of like a level of guilt of not being able to control her power or emotion and not mm-hmm. not just that it was that the main character had that right because yeah. we also had it with um Kylo Ren yeah right but we're used to seeing a bad guy sort of struggle between bad and good we've seen that tons of times mm-hmm. right but we don't usually have our main character with such a dramatic struggle like this like the moment she shot force lightning 
when she was trying to use the force. Uh, for How did the we ship. feel about that? That was I loved it. I thought it that was, was insane. I wish she had done it again at the end. I they was, had like an electrical finger thing with uh, him and his. I think that would have gotten a little too Harry Potter. <laughs> I, I, you know? I get where but you're coming. I would have liked. I would have liked when uh, if when Palpatine shot lightning at her if she caught it the way Yoda did. Oh, in, uh, Attack yeah. of the Clones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I thought that would have been really interesting. I kind of wish she did that. Yeah. I love this movie. It it's great because it just I don't know. It just tells everybody, "Hey, you know what? It's over." <laughs> like and they're, uh, they're very clear about that in the marketing too. That the fact that they're using the phrase "the last word in the Skywalker saga" is very much a. It's not like it, you're not trying to tell people, "Hey, this is it. We're laying this out there. You have to deal with it." It's here's how the story ends. We don't need to discuss it anymore. Do you think? I know that being said, though, do you think because they are going to make a ten, eleven, twelve? Do you think that? they'll bring back Ray. Do you think that the same kind of, because here's the thing. It's the end of the Skywalker trilogy or not trilogy. I don't know what you could call it. Saga. Saga. It's the end of the Skywalker saga. At the end, she calls herself Ray Skywalker. That was, I kind of going back to what I was saying before. If Ryan Johnson hadn't said your parents are nobody, and then they had to fix it later on. And she's a Palpatine. Do you think that his, J.J. Abrams, if he were to have made all three, that he would have made her a Palpatine or would he have made her a Skywalker? I would don't. He... I I think all about with that, um, it's not about her saying that she's Rey Skywalker. It's not about It's her, her redefining herself, right? It's not, yeah, it's not her blood, yeah. right? She's not connected to her blood. Um, and it's not... It's the Skywalker as a symbol, not the name or the person yeah. or the family. It's the symbol of what it means. Okay, okay. You I, know didn't, what I, mean? I didn't get that. Do you saying, understand what I mean, though? Yeah, I get yeah. what you're saying. I think I just didn't get that in the film. I got it as more she needed a home for her being, and her finding that home was in the Skywalker lineage, and she was adopted into that Skywalker lineage because she earned the right because of her power and what she did and where she came from and her journey. And I think that that's, and the Skywalker lineage is so powerful. And so, as you say, it is a symbol. Uh, Yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess now saying it out loud, it makes a lot more sense that it was weird that I didn't see it that way as a symbol, as opposed to an adoption you know, into the family. Yeah. What do you think about that? I think that if we, if JJ Abrams had written and directed all three movies, I think we would have gotten the same reveal, but earlier on, possibly towards the end of the second movie, it sort of the best way to do it in my mind would have been mirroring the pacing of the original trilogy. And that, that big familial reveal happens nearer to the end of the second movie. It acts as a big reveal. And then it sets up, um, potentially the villain going into the third mm-hmm. like See, if we had gotten if we had established that palpatine was still alive in last jedi or whatever that second movie would have been i feel like the pacing would have been a lot better at least for the first half of the last yeah See, i think about these movies mirroring the original trilogy a lot yeah, yeah. More, more than i probably should and the whole thing about the last jedi 
is it was trying to inverse what the fifth, what Empire Strikes Back did, right? On Empire Strikes Back, we had the Hoth battle. Mm. The battle on this sand planet at the end of uh, The Last Jedi was the, it, that was the Hoth battle mm. equivalent, right? And so we expected this big reveal of who Ray's family was, and then it was, they're nobody, right? And it was that, not anti-joke, but it was that um, they they pulled the rug out from under us. We were expecting something, and they did the exact opposite. They went in a different direction. Mm-hmm. And that's why I kind of liked that her parents were nobody, because they didn't just play with that what we were expecting. Yeah, yeah. You're, you, I'm your father. It's more, nah, you don't have any parents. Yeah. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Speaking of not having any parents, I very much like the way that J.J. Abrams handled just writing off the origin of Snoke by just having the camera pass past a Bacta tank with a clone that looked like Snoke. Yeah. Like, you don't need to discuss it. All you can do is just have a voiceover saying, I was, I was, I created, or I was the voice in your head. I was Snoke as he, as Kylo's walking through the lair and you just see what looks to be like earlier versions or clones of. Yeah. 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 But then, but then you're kind of like, well, why make such a, the thing is a Snoke was so deformed. Why make him so deformed then? Because he's spooky. Yeah. But the emperor, um, in his height was deformed as well from the, from um, the, the yeah. lightning getting shot back. Yeah, but I think my thing is is like I yeah, I appreciate I think I appreciated what JJ Abrams did there. I think it was a great way to kind of retcon that whole thing. I definitely feel like there is needs to be a little bit more explanation as to why they made him the way they made him look because why not just make him a normal looking dude because and... then they couldn't cast andy circuit <laughs> <laughs> he has to be in motion capture all the time yeah i guess so i think i think my thing is just it's like he looked like a battle-worn force sensitive character that came out of nowhere that we all wanted to know where he came from oh well, see i don't think he looked battle-worn oh i think it's... he did he had like a massive cut down the well, side i know and i saw that as the sith training oh and i that the sith were so brutal well, other... and abusive and the thing that comes to mind is that there cloning has been established within the star wars universe mm-hmm. but this is the first time we've had a what appears to be a clone that is force sensitive yeah so we don't know how that affects the process or or anything like that. And maybe I'm reading too much into it, but do you, do you know what? No, that's a good point. Do you know what would have that. been helpful for me with that little redcon is that all those cloaked figures that were up in the stands uh, during the, uh, the sacrifice that um, Palpatine wanted Ray the to ritual. the ritual. I, I think it would have been good if we had seen all those hooded figures and they were all Snokes. I think that that would have helped me out quite a bit. I would have. I wouldn't have liked. I. That. I. I think it would have helped me because then it would have helped me understand that Snoke wasn't wasn't this supreme leader. He wasn't this flashy dude in a robe. He was just one that got sent over, and there are many like him, and they they you know they could go anywhere, but he is like a representation of evil as opposed to like. You know, like just this guy in a gold coat. Do you know what I mean? This, I mean, it kind of brings up a curiosity that I had about this in that we see that that fleet of ships exists when Kylo arrives. So 
We kind of just have who, to accept that kind of the same way that you, you kind of have clones. to accept that that <laughs> planet was well populated before the first order arrived, but during the final battle, the ships are only occupied by first order soldiers. So, who was manning those ships originally? Do we were they all people that looked Snoke like the, clones? They that weren't all flying like, before though, right? It was Palpatine that made them all rise, but they up. would have had to be built. Because they're they're very much not yeah, they were built from, by assuming whatever those things were in the black cloaks. So the Sith are an underground cult is basically what this movie was saying, yeah. right? Yeah. That although the Sith nobody been tells me nothing. Yeah. <laughs> although the Sith, we haven't really seen a whole lot of them. They were all underground and working in a society on this um, forbidden planet, right? And so they were the ones who built it. They are the ones who were in the black hoods. Yeah. Um, and they were the ones that were going to help take over the world. So that's why I kind of like that they weren't all Snokes, mm-hmm. is because it showed us, like, evil was running, but it was all underground. Yeah, it was... I mean, I think that's how we have to accept where the First Order came from, too. Because, like, the Rebels won at the after the Battle of Endor because the Death Star ended. But then at some point, the First Order was created... And the they first got... order was created when Luke went away. Right? Oh, really? Evil... Yeah, that's... Okay. it says it in the the Force Awakens. Oh, okay. As it, the titles as it. I goes don't remember up. that. I haven't seen that movie in ages. So... You should watch it. Um, but it's pretty good. Yeah, I've heard so good things. When Luke disappeared, that's when evil rose. Oh, okay. and that's when the first order rose. So they did that in a period of like twenty years, less than that. Less than 20 I think, years. I think the Sith must be excellent engineers, though, because in that time, they found a way to not only... They, they basically took a single planet-killing weapon the size of a planet and attached one to every single one of those ships. To be fair, when you're not doing when you're not doing anything, like you can kind of just figure stuff out, you exactly. know? But I have to ask, are you bringing this up as an issue that you have with the film? Personally, I, I, I personally see it as a bit of an issue. The fact that okay. you, you can attach a planet killing weapon to a ship is a huge leap from star killer base literally what two years ago and i might be able to help you out with this and i just realized this now ever since you brought it up but i can be okay with that in that evil can happen the same way a tree can fall down in the woods and no one can hear it if you don't know what's happening or if you're not paying attention to it it's gonna happen the same way that the first order can be created in the same sense when Luke goes away. Mm-hmm. If there's nobody paying attention to it, then it'll happen. Um, and that's, and that is also mirrors in our own world. If we're not paying close enough attention, shady shit can go down. Or if we're not, you know, anticipating our enemy's movements, shady shit will go down. Like, I don't know. I, I, I think that makes a lot of sense for me in that like, oh, like, yeah, sure, it's a little bit re- unrealistic to see, like, a shit ton of Star Destroyers with Death Star laser beams on the ends of them. I, I think that's a bit kind of over the top. But at the same time, it's like, it's a- you have to kind of be like, well, it's a Star Wars film, right? And then you have to also have this, the, this, this element of disbelief and that, like, well, if no one knows where the planet is, then how the hell do they know what the hell they can and can't do? I guess the it's also the, I don't know if they're that trying, helps. I guess they're also trying to avoid the issue that a lot of people had with Return of the Jedi, where the biggest threat is just another Death Star. They had to ramp up the danger somehow. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and I think um, I think the Force Awakens 
is, like I said, a great Kickstarter campaign for a new trilogy in that the film is there to exist to, to help out the next two. It's not there. It, it's there to reignite this love of Star Wars again. It's a carbon copy of A New Hope. It is, on paper, a safe film. It's got three new characters, like the original trilogy. You know, it's got all the things going for it. It doesn't need anything more. Uh, it just needs to hit all those beats. And then the next two movies can take off. But the problem was, is we got Ryan Johnson's film, uh, which was a new setup. And then we got J.J. Abrams fixing film that finished the series. So I, I think next time going into these, if these guys are going to do this whole thing again, they need to lay down the rules of what they're going to do with these stories. Because when Lucas was in charge of these films, he wrote the scripts himself. So he took notes as to what was going to happen in the rest of the movies. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it's not like he's not, he didn't need to retcon anything because I mean, from, I haven't seen the, 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 that trilogy, the prequel trilogy in ages, but he didn't in my, from what I remember, he didn't need to retcon anything because he was the one writing everything. He's just, he's supplementing the original story. Yes. Yeah. The, the question that I have, I think is, what do you guys think this is going to do? Like this particular story, not necessarily how the movie does financially, but what do you think this story is going to do for franchise fatigue of Star Wars? Because there's definitely this attitude after, I would say, started sort of after Rogue One and fed into Last Jedi and Solo, that people are sort of getting tired of Star Wars and that there's too much of it. Um, I think that they're realizing that they're going to have to switch it up their same old formula is not going to keep working. You know, this trilogy with the Skywalkers, we're, we're, everybody's getting kind of over it. And I feel like The Mandalorian is sort of their response to that because I started watching The Mandalorian and it's completely different from Star Wars. It's a Western, right? It's a mm-hmm. sci-fi Western um, that's different and people are liking that. Right? Like, I know a bunch of people that refuse to watch Star Wars but are watching The Mandalorian. So, you're saying, in a sense, that you could almost have different genres of films within the Star Wars universe? I think definitely. And I think this wasn't just um, the last Skywalker film. They're saying that in the sense that this is the last. Good guys versus this, bad guys. Yeah, this kind of Star Wars film. Yeah. But we're going to go on and do some different stuff now. And so, I think we're going to sort of see them respond to the the fatigue of it. I'm excited if we're going to be doing spin-offs and doing different series and different sort of genres within Star Wars universe. I'm very excited for CSI Coruscant. I'm sure it's <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be fantastic. You could have a really good noir type crime series. <laughs> going back to your question about fatigue, um I think people need to shut the front door about it i think people need to stop complaining about star wars and just be okay with it because like i i get i i appreciate what you're saying and i think that's what they're gonna do um but i think as a whole people just need to just calm the f down they need to just be like there are a bunch of laser beams in space people chill out like it's not it's not anything you own a couple toys over your mantelpiece in your man cave, good for you. I own a sword from a movie, uh, from a Quentin Tarantino movie. 
But I'm not complaining about the next Quentin Tarantino film because it's like when I go into the film, I know what I'm going to get. I'm going to get a bunch of people getting cut up and a lot of swearing, okay? And some sort of crazy ending. I think I think Star Wars fans, I've heard it a thousand times before, but the only people that hate Star Wars more are Star Wars fans. And And you just like... Star Wars is so much to everyone on an individual basis. Mm-hmm. And as long as you go into the film just being like, hey, this might not be for me or every aspect of this film might not be for me, but I have to be okay with that. And and just walk out with that. Like, that's what I did last night. When we, we, Graham, you and I went and saw that film. I was like, you know what? At this point, I don't really care. And And that, in a sense, is so liberating to be able to be like, I don't, I don't really care... I don't really care what they do. I want to just experience it because it's a film in space. I really like space movies. I love space operas. I love Rogue One because it's a point for point perfect space opera where it's like somewhat bad guys, ragtag group taking care of business and they all die at the end or a couple of them survive. You know, those are the stories that are good. Um, But it's like, hey, chill out, boss. Like, just relax, you know? I don't know. Nick, you were going to say something. For sure. Well, I was just going to say that, like, we're talking a lot about things that we didn't like about this movie or we didn't like surrounding this movie. But I think it's time that we talk about things that we liked about this movie. Well, the, I mean, in the sense, I, I don't I think... think... No, no, I'm not saying that we haven't yeah. at all, right? But I think we need to explicitly say some things that we really enjoyed so. about this movie. I mean, I definitely think I've already said that I really like the fact that um, that Ray um, was a Palpatine because it plays with the duality of good and evil, mm-hmm. good being and bad and bad being and good. Um, I am absolutely so excited uh, about the kiss at the end of the film between Ray and Ben because I had wanted that since The Last Jedi when he held out her hand and she didn't take it. And I was like, Oh my God, these, this series would be so much more amazing if they had some crazy, cause you were talking about how, uh, they're playing with different genres. Almost. I was hoping that Ryan Johnson was trying to do that when Ben offered Ray his hand. Right. And be like, Hey, take my hand. And then it would be some crazy Shakespearean genre where like there was this kind of like love and hate between their relationship and they'd go on and take on the universe. And in the third movie, basically what would happen is, is like they would have to betray each other to like get the bet because they wouldn't agree at some point. Do you, do you kind of get what I'm saying? Yeah, I completely understand like, what you're I, saying. I, I think that was all I wanted out of this series was some sort of originality behind relationships because we all know that the prequels didn't help us with that and cuz it didn't make any sense and the <laughs> uh Luke kissing his sister and then no one ever explaining that was super unhelpful it was to create jealousy that was all that kiss was he was a boy she was a girl <laughs> they didn't know they were brother and sister and it just made sense in their mind. Like yeah. if, right? you glue, if you grew up on a moisture farm in the middle of a desert <laughs> you would kiss anything yeah. Anything. I guess so. Even those little rat things <laughs> running around Mos Eisley. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts on... I know you're not a huge fan of the kiss. You felt like it wasn't... I, I felt like it was kind of unnecessary. Because to me, they felt... 
at least going into this movie, like I would be happier if the relationship was more team oriented rather than strictly romantic. Oh, you wanted a professional relationship. I, I wanted <laughs> I wanted them to join you forces. You wanted a love contract. I, I wanted them to join forces for the greater good, not necessarily. Wait, 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 wait. I have a joke. I have a, good. Wait, wait, wait. I have a joke. Fifty Shades of Ray. Continue. <laughs> Jesus. Have you been reading my search history again? <laughs> Speaking of porn parodies. <laughs> yeah, I, fe- I felt like their the relationship that, that was established was less romantic in the previous movies. And they've sort of, it didn't feel shoehorned. It just felt like. It, they took it a step further than was required. Well, in the previous movies, they were mirror imaging one another. Yeah. Right? Ben was saying, you feel the dark in you. There was some I felt s- that too. Join me. I can help you with that. There was some major sexual tension. I don't know if you picked up on it all in The Last Jedi. I, on, I honestly felt like... Are you just talking about shirtless Kylo or are we talking uh, ben, about... Ben Swolo. Thank you. <laughs> ben Swolo. Um, no, I think... I think they... They loved each other, but they did like both of them don't know what love is <laughs> because all Ben knew was hate and all Ray know was all Ray no, knew was loss. And so when you put those two together, they're kind of like, oh, well, I don't know how I feel about you, but I am drawn to you. And I think that in a sense was how they how they were brought together and i think i think it was an interesting really creative way to kind of when we got that final kiss it was kind of like it wasn't because it wasn't because they loved each other in a lovey-dovey way it was because we needed each other and we were there for each other in a very kind of different way like you completed my loss and i completed your I, I helped you reject hate. Did you know what it's I mean? It's also because I feel like it's also because both of those characters felt isolated in their struggles throughout both the previous movies because they were surrounding themselves with people that didn't understand what they were going through at all. Yeah. Yeah. And they're the only ones that are, are struggling with that inner power dynamic. Do you feel that then, because there was times where there was always these inklings behind Finn and Ray kind of being a, a, a piece you know what I mean? Like Ray kind of being in love with Finn at the end of The Last Jedi, and then Finn kind of, I guess, revealing to some regard. That was one part I didn't understand what he was trying to say to Ray. I think he was probably trying to say, I love you, or something like that. Since The Force Awakens, I was really hoping that Finn and Poe would have been a couple. You were spending <laughs> a lot of time on very specific parts of the internet. No, 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 no. It was just, no, it was honestly just me watching it and like, the way they were, I guess they turned it into like, bro. Yeah. Bro, we did it, bro. I think society you know? would have had a, a bit of a hard time with that one, though. Good. <laughs> I let them. I, um, I preferred this kiss over the kiss with uh, Finn, but I was still oh, under yeah, the that bl- kiss was bullshit. With, though. I, I feel with like Finn, they... Finn and Rose. Yeah, that was bullshit. Yeah, it was a dumb. I so feel like dumb. they they needed to not maybe not explain or retcon, but acknowledge what happened in some way. But there, what be- happened between Finn and Rose? Exactly. Yeah, they didn't do that. They didn't acknowledge it at all. It all of a sudden the relationship between Finn and Rose was purely professional. Yeah, out of nowhere. Yeah, it was weird, and I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that people were hating on her. That is uh, that. 
Yeah, I guess that's true. There was a lot get, of hate. She did get basically bullied off of social media yeah, yeah. after that movie. Yeah. I think she definitely took a step back as a character in this film. I, I thought she was really important in the last film. I definitely think that Finn should have died. I said this in our Last Jedi recording. Um, I think Finn should have died at the end of The Last Jedi. I think that would have been a perfect... Him going into that big thing would have completed his journey as a character. And I I guess... Sacrificing himself for the rebellion against the First Order. Exactly. Yeah, that definitely would have completed On his. paper, that's a, that's a check mark. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Instead, we got a, hey, get out of the way, here's a kiss. And you're like, oh. But... Um, yeah, the kiss in this film, I don't know. Did I help you at all? I guess you kind of did. It. This discussion about Finn, though, and his sort of, I would say, unsatisfying character arc, it makes me think of Poe's character arc in that he keeps, in each each movie, he's basically learning the same thing. He's learning, self, he's learning self-confidence and reliance. He's learning um, reliance in the team because every single time he gets into a situation where he feels like they're overwhelmed or he feels like he's powerless and suddenly his friends are there to help him. Yeah. And that, that is precisely what happened in this one. He, he gives up and then suddenly Lando shows up with half the galaxy. Do you think he learned anything though? Or it's like, I think that's the thing I have. Faith. They tried to establish him learning lessons to fill in the role of Leia in leading the rebellion, even though the rebellions apparently no longer necessary they still needed a leader in some way. Yeah. And because he doesn't have any romantic attachments to sort of bow tie his storyline, that needs to be his final development is learning proper leadership skills. Mm-hmm. And do you think he did learn those in the end? It it seems that way, mm-hmm. but I mean... But that's what we thought in the last one, too. Exactly. Yeah. In the last one, it was like, you're a flyboy. Oh, wait, no, you've learned that to put trust in other people, to learn patience, to learn all of that. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, you're right. He ran into the same problems in this movie. Do you think Finn should have died in the end of this film, too? I feel like he should have died in the end of the last film. Yeah, really. yeah. I, I mean, feel like he should have been dead at the first, at the beginning of the first one. <laughs> when, he, when he crashed I feel like Finn should Jakku, die now. he should have died immediately. No Pin, no Finn, <laughs> no Poe. Just both died, crash landed, Jakku, kill them all. Just a Ray movie. Yeah. I, I stand Pin. <laughs> um i know i mentioned it to you graham after we saw the film last night but there was an instance in this film where the pace changed in the film and um it was right i believe at the part where um after they had redconned for the first 45 minutes or something like that uh is the is the part where uh ray and uh kylo are fighting on the old the death star on endor that instance when she killed well she almost kills him I felt like that that was definitely a turning point in the movie. I felt like the change of pace happened much earlier, though. I agree. Really? Because yep. when they go to find, um, when they go to sort of access C-3PO's memory, I would say it's as soon as they go to that location, it felt further in the movie time-wise than it realistically was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah Just yeah. because of the, the rapid changes of location. But I that was the point where I felt like we're getting into the movie here. And I'm I'm still enjoying myself. And the reason I focused on that was because at a similar timeline in The Last Jedi was I, I would place those time-wise similar to where they go to Canto Bight. And that was the point in The Last Jedi where I realized to myself, I'm I'm not 
having as much fun as I should right now. I'm not enjoying this. Mm. It felt like it was, it wasn't keeping me engaged. So you felt that in the middle of the last Jedi. And then for this film, you felt that way. I felt like it was this film. Exactly. It, it felt like I, I went in with low expectations and one thing it's, it's an unfortunate reflection of the, the reality of this cast was when they decided to um, basically rebuild Leia's lines with just um, recorded um, with recorded audio from Carrie Fisher in the previous movies. Yeah. It definitely felt shoehorned. Oh yeah. And I, it didn't frustrate me. It's, it's an unfortunate reality, Yeah, but I felt like they, there would have, there could have been an easier way to go about it. This movie did try to, um, pay so much respect to Carrie Fisher though. Um, which I think we need to acknowledge Yeah, in terms of how they came out and said she trained as a Jedi. Yeah. Right. That was them giving Leia the significance that we, we had been looking we had for, never for gotten, from her. Yeah. We had never, they had never given her that much significance when she came In back. The old and it canon, was, she that's did. what I, yeah. that's what I mean. I right. You're saying. When she came back and was a general, it was like, all right, here we go. But, making her a Jedi completely changed the way that you look at Leia, mm-hmm. right? And her turning and walking away from it and giving up her lightsaber until somebody's worthy enough or the right person can pick it up again. Um, I think this movie did a really great job. Yeah. It also helps justify um, maybe not her actions, but her powers in Last Jedi. Exactly. You and had, that, a, problem. That was a, good you had a problem with those. In, I did too. I absolutely too. did. Yeah. yeah. I did too, and I think this was a great retcon for that, mm-hmm. and they did a really, really nice job. Mm. Um, and I also really like how when they did the flashback of Luke and Leia um, battling one another, um, it was her daughter that was playing Leia with a bit of CGI, but it was Billy Lord, mm. who okay. has who was in all of these movies the whole mm. time as the lower admiral, but... Yeah, I believe it was Billy Lord who was Leia, which I thought was really sweet and mm. really nice. It's interesting that they would do it that way because they, well, I guess I guess Rogue One was filmed prior to her death, yeah. so they they wouldn't have have gone in. They had someone else play her for for the the one Leia scene in Rogue One, but yeah, it is de- definitely a touching way to go about it. And Kylo using Luke's lightsaber and Rey using Leia's. Um, that was fantastic. I thought it was great. Absolutely. And, you know, um, I've been seeing some things of people having problems about Ray putting the lightsaber behind her head and Why? Kylo pulling it. They just thought that it was stupid and they said that's not how the Force works. But, we don't know how the Force exactly. works. But that's the thing. That's that the that, thing that pisses me off. <laughs> but that was established earlier on in the movie. It exactly. was established numerous times. Exactly. When, uh, say, like, when they're battling and... Uh, and uh, Darth Vader's mask falls on the ground. Exactly. Or in the Last Jedi, when I think it, I think there was like a, a wisp of water that somehow transports yes. through and hits Kylo in the face. And that was it was justified by Palpatine saying that their connection had not been seen for generations. Yeah, mm-hmm. their connection through the Force hasn't been seen. So of course nobody's going to think that it's possible. It hasn't been seen in so long. You had a problem with in uh, The Last Jedi, Leia having her force powers. 
coming like getting blown up and thrown out through the airlock and mm-hmm. then waking up and coming back and to the thing and you were kind of like well they didn't really explain that where did that come from the force doesn't do this in this film everyone relatively has force sensitivity like I, do you kind of get what i'm saying though i yeah it's and that's that's why i'm i'm slightly more satisfied with it now in that they went back and explained sort of the history of leia doing her training yeah we now have some explanation as to how not how she got her powers but how she developed them and that she was she isn't just someone who has them because she's a skywalker she is someone who actually trained as a jedi yes that just wasn't acknowledged previously and turned away from it and which is why she never brought it up to anyone or even said it to Mm ray right because she turned away from it that well that being said i think that she definitely did discuss it with ray because she refers to leia as master yeah yeah because she trained her Mm -hmm. right she was training her that's true Yeah. yeah there is one thing that I've been thinking about that I, I probably shouldn't be focusing on, but it's it's a little minute detail. Oh, in, you shouldn't focus on exactly. That. And, and but as <laughs> as a fan, I feel like I need to focus on it. Is when Harrison Ford came back in this movie. Oh, I love that. I loved, I started to cry. I definitely I loved it, and I love <laughs> that it was it kept secret. Do you feel like it should have been more representative of a Force ghost? rather than just an image because it's the first time really that you've seen something come or a, not a memory or a representation of someone coming back from the dead that isn't just glowing blue no f- i i didn't have an issue with it no um but I, I could see how you might it just it felt different than any other time we've seen it the way i saw it was he wasn't back from the dead he wasn't a force ghost he wasn't anything like that that was ben's internal struggle yeah so it was him turning around and him seeing han solo there because he's finally given in to that side of him basically he was re kind of watching in his head the exact moment before he killed his dad where uh han came over to ben and was like said all like i i did all the same enjoyed the dialogue parallel i think that's the movie way of looking at it okay but in terms of the character i think it was han solo and it was said from episode seven han solo was the thing that was holding kylo back han solo was the representation of why he couldn't fully give in to the dark side and so by speaking to han solo there it was showing that he was rejecting the dark side and he was going with his family and the light side i guess it was it was ben using the words you're just a memory that made me think okay is this a force ghost is this literally just his his own representation of his father what what are we actually watching here but we see that all the time right like oh you're just you're just a dream Right, we see that in movies and TV shows all the time. But in in a franchise that has characters coming back from the dead, literally ten minutes later, it was a little out of place. It, for it sure. feels sort of like you're 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 putting two things together that seem a little bit too similar that aren't coherent. See, here's my thing: any character that comes back as a force ghost generally ha- is someone that we've seen have representations of using the force, whereas Han doesn't have the force he has the force he's not a force user 
Mm. Okay. Sim- similar but do you to get, Finn. But I understand. But do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm trying to. T- I'm trying to help you understand that the thing. I mean, you can believe it or not, or take it, take it or leave it or not. But I think the thing is, is I think, um, I think that was just Ben seeing a memory. I think mm. it this, and that's why it affected me so much when I saw it was because I played out. I played out it's you know my you know my relationship with my dad is a bit rocky and when I play out dialogues that I've had with him serious conversations we've had together it's very similar to that relationship and I play back the same images or what I could have said differently or what I had hoped that he could have said differently to me in my head the same way that I could expect, like if he was standing right in front of me, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I I think that's why I was so emotionally affected by that scene. And I like actually started to tear up because it was just like, well, he's, he's not actually there. He's, it's not like a forced ghost that you can interact with. And Ben didn't really interact with him either. He was just kind of being touched by him. This, and the movements were all the same, right? Like it was almost everything was, and they didn't they didn't just parallel that one scene. I loved that I don't know I can't remember if it was the the absolute last line that they shared together. Yeah. But Ben wanting to say something and Han just replying, I know. Yeah. yeah. That just that hit me. That yeah. hit me really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um I was in the shower today <laughs> after work. And, slower <laughs> slower and i thought about um i was kind of i was like well why didn't ray take um ben solo's body with her when she left and then i realized oh he turned into nothing exactly yes. um which i'm i'm glad to see happen yeah because that's exactly well, that's I, exactly what happened i think her. yeah and and obi-wan in episode four mm-hmm, i right? would have been yeah. just as happy if Ray had died in this film and not Ben, I would have been just as happy. And you know why? Because an ultimate threat needs an ultimate sacrifice. And she was the only, she was the strongest force user anybody had ever seen. Okay. But Ben's arc was completed from episode seven. He said he wanted to complete what Vader had started vader as we know from the prequels was trying to bring people back from the dead ben brought ray back from the dead he did what vader he finished what vader had started and his arc was over oh i didn't see i didn't think did you not catch that i didn't i didn't i i I had some thoughts about that but i didn't i didn't put those two together that's a good 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 perspective nick and ray ray already made her ultimate sacrifice she definitely died However, because of the fact that she had brought back Ben earlier in the film, he was able to do the same. Therefore, she gave the ultimate sacrifice, and then he was able to do the same. So both characters got their due. At least at least that's the way I see it. But but do, can you guys kind of see how I would have been happy, though? Like, yeah. Not, not me, but could you see how the story could have at least played out if she had died and he had survived because he's not the strongest one and he has to kind of live with that. Like, I don't know. I get very Shakespearean with this where it's like the ultimate, the ultimate power needs an ultimate sacrifice. And like those two, um, like for instance, if we were to compare it to Harry Potter, another really popular series where Voldemort dies because Harry dies, right? 
most ambitious crossover ever. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the way I like to see it in my head and all of the people kind of wanting to... uh, Seeing that everyone in the Star Wars universe see that sacrifice as something to live up to as a as a beacon of hope and and in that a rebirth for people that have lost hope characters like ben um and finding a new hope like the original trilogy and and that's kind of why can you see what i'm saying yeah i get what you're saying so i'm i'm kind of are you actually being sarcastically woeing no i i just like that you brought up a new home okay (laughs) and in that way but like i think i think that's how i would have been okay because it would have been a little bit backwards where the bad guy becomes the good guy who then becomes the new leader of the new hope and and it's this and then it again plays with the duality of good having evil and evil having good but I think that this was I think this was a better way for him to atone for the deeds he performed. Earlier. Of course. And I called that. I called that he was gonna be redeemed. I yeah. knew I knew since oh, the yeah. first movie that because of his lineage, he would have redeemed himself in some capacity. He would have fought in the end, but um yeah. I did a little bit of reading on the Rennie boys. The amount of times that you nudged me in the shoulder during that movie and went, Rennie boys. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know. I don't <laughs> I don't understand why these characters were even created. Okay, they well, remind me I don't... so much of like the uh the royal guard for the Emperor, the yeah. Emperor's Royal Guard. One thing that that I'm still curious about, and I think I'm maybe I just need to rewatch the movie, and I'm going to several times, um, is it seemed, at least the way that it was paced, like the the Knights of Ren within this movie that play a more active role were on the planet with the Emperor before Kylo Ren arrived. And that kind of blurs the line as far as what the Knights of Ren are. And mean? I mean, like, it seemed as though when he arrived and he's first meeting Palpatine, mm-hmm. I think that's when they introduced at least that particular group that then follows him around for most of the movie mm. because they, they were almost acting like Imperial guards. Yeah. They were, they're acting which outside which, of, then they can't be the original Knights of Ren because he wouldn't have interacted with them prior. Cause he had never been to that planet. So who are the original Knights of Ren? So I'm actually reading about this right now as we're talking. Um, the Ren was an ideology and belief system of the dark side of the Force, which followers referred to as the Shadow, followed by the Knights of Ren. The Knights of Ren believed that the Ren was simply its nature and nothing else, and that the Ren had no remorse and was not concerned with right or wrong or the goals it might achieve. The Knights of Ren limited their ranks only to those who could touch the Shadow. The Knights of Ren thus followed a flexible code, living life the way they wanted, Taking, the galax- taking what the galaxy gave them and consuming what the dark side sent them without any further thought or consideration. Well, what, it, what that means to, to me is that the Knights of Ren, it, it's not a very specific group that established that name on their own. Yeah. It's a group of people that follow a similar ideology that exists elsewhere in the galaxy. Mm. And the reason and they con- were going after Rey is because the Emperor was the ultimate representation guess, yeah, of the yeah, dark side. You're right, you're right. And Kylo didn't establish his own name. He gave into that ideology and took it to be part of his own identity. It was a title given to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Hmm. Okay. Like when uh, popes become the pope, they don't keep their name. They pick uh, the name of a saint. But do you you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Is like, yeah. Why there's... It's an ideology. There's been so many damn Pauls. <laughs> um, <laughs> so many Pauls. No Judases, funny enough. I wonder why. <laughs> can, you, can you Google that there, Nick? Yeah. Okay, one sec. <laughs> pope Judas. <laughs> Little known metal band out of Salt pope. Lake, Utah. That'd be a great Judas. fucking name. <laughs> pope Judas. Pope Judas. Pope Julius is all that comes <laughs> It's my favorite flavor of orange Julius. I was just going to make the joke. <laughs> so how do we feel about the Knights of Ren's ending in this? Um, I still feel like I wanted more. You know what I mean? I wanted them it to It was be, so dumb that they, they weren't boba, in The Last Jedi. They Jedi. boba fetted me. Oh, hell yeah. I thought they were going to be so cool. And like, I know that Kylo was very... Or, sorry, I guess he was Ben at that point. And I know Ben was very strong, but... He, he wiped them out. He slaughtered them. Yeah. Like the red guards when he killed Snoke were were a bigger match. But in terms of fight choreography... Um, These films as a whole do it really well. They do it really well. And especially with the detail in the Rey versus Kylo. Because we talked about how Kylo's lightsaber is like rougher mm-hmm. than, than a typical lightsaber. And it showed in their fighting style as well because Kylo gave up studying the jedi way and as we know from the prequels there are seven jedi forms and each jedi sort of picks one form that they they master like obi-wan was form four question mark form four form three and um mace windu is the only one to master all seven forms and use them regularly is that why he has a purple lightsaber no uh he has a purple lightsaber because uh purple represents um, somebody who uses a balance of light and dark force. I think, uh, but chooses light. I think it was also because Samuel L. Jackson, Samuel L. Jackson loved Jackson. purple, yeah, yeah. And so they had to, yeah, they had to come up with a reason for it. <laughs> but that's the reason that they ended up with. So even in the fighting styles, like Kylo Ren's was just brutal. Yeah, like he was a brute. Whereas Ray, you could see the intricacies and the technique. Whereas, yeah, Kylo was just, he was a heavy hitter. And he was, um, at the end, when he was Ben fighting the Knights of Ren, uh, it was a different story. Like, you, if, you, if you looked, his fighting style was crisper. It was very crisp at the end. It, whereas when he had his hilted lightsaber, so, it was a lot of... It was, it was less emotional. So crispy, yeah. somebody would say creamy. Anyways, uh, <laughs> we can we can just like add some more silence to that. In the cut. Yeah, yeah. I'll make sure I'll get on that. Do, um, do you have some recordings of crickets to just sort of play under it a little bit? I could I could play it. I we'll find I'll put it in. Brendan, make a note and put some crickets in there. I just want to ask, how do you guys feel about Ray's lightsaber at the end? But in terms of the color, the yellow, I just you... like the way it opened up. Did I you think, see how yeah. the laser came out where it was like? It was kind of this like uh, I don't know what it's called, but when inter like it was like inter like the the valve where it came out at the top, it was like this interlocked like sun diamond yeah. that like fucking opened up. Yeah, it was so cool. It was great. I can't remember whether it was Leia's or if it was hers at the end, but one of them was a rotary dial around the outside of the hilt that I thought was so cool. 
Oh, the, I didn't uh, notice that. Yeah, I'll have to go back and look. Yeah, I can't remember which one it was, but one of them is a rotary dial that she sort of activated with her thumb and it rotated around the hilt That's to open so up. Cool. It was so cool. It's what, not um, just pushing But a in terms of the color. Yeah, what do you like, guys think do you of the know, color? Do you know what yellow means, Brendan? Uh, do you know what I know Ahsoka means, Atana has... Is that her name? Ahsoka Atana? I don't know her last name, but Ahsoka, yeah. Ahsoka has a small yellow lightsaber later on. She has the blue one mm-hmm. uh, in the original like Clone Wars series. Mm-hmm. And for people that are listening that don't know who Ahsoka is, she is Anakin Skywalker's um, uh, Padawan. Padawan that leaves the Jedi Order because of a friend dying or something. I, I can't remember something like that, but she disagrees with Anakin. She leaves. Um and they fight later on. Uh, Darth Vader fights Ahsoka later on and mm-hmm. all this other shit. Um, but she has a small, like, dagger or type yellow lightsaber. Yeah. Graham, do you know what yellow means? Not off the top of my head, no. Okay, so I'm going to break down some... What about the bottom of your head? Don't, nobody wants to go down there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to break down some, uh, some of what the colors mean in terms of the good side. Okay. So blue is for like the soldiers. They're people who really study and are quick to use their lightsabers and and battle. Green is more for the scholars. Um they're more for people who are quicker to use the force or to talk things out. That's why Yoda had a had a green lightsaber. Um and that's why Qui-Gon did. Qui-Gon was so patient whereas Obi-Wan had a blue lightsaber because he was a lot quicker to draw. He was more of a soldier, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then we talked about what purple meant. Uh, Yellow is somebody who finds a balance between the scholarly and the fighting. Okay. Yeah, so Ray doing that was a huge um, homage to all of the studying she did under Luke and Leia and then the battle techniques that she learned throughout okay. and had to use all right that's cool so that's a fun little little and that's that's something else i liked about this story is i said this before we started recording but how deep into the lore it got with the yellow lightsaber with the transfer of life forces which is something that i didn't think we would see in this sort of movie it's just as much it's just enough acknowledgement of the original canon yes. just enough to touch on certain things that have been established to have them brought in mm-hmm. into the new canon is just fantastic. Yes. All right. And I think that brings us to the end of our spoiler cast discussion of Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. So as we always like to do, we like to give an arbitrary review of a film that we have discussed this time on the show because we are film discussers, not film reviewers. So Nick, what is your arbitrary review for this film? I give this... Uh, one test tube Snoke. God damn it, you stole mine. <laughs> I was going to say deformed Snoke clones. <laughs> uh, Brendan, what's your arbitrary review? I'm going to give this film one golden lightsaber or yellow lightsaber. I couldn't really. I like golden lightsaber. Yeah, I thought it was a good way to say it. It's pretty gold looking, a little shiny. I like the little collat. Like I said earlier, I like the little whoop. Little, Very cool. Little floopy finger. I don't know. I'm trying to do it with my fingers right now. You know what I'm. Hey, that's really good for an audio medium. <laughs> I, I I picture it making. Oh a yeah, like that. Sound. Yeah, like that. <laughs> it's making. Oh guys, do you I'm see inter- this? I'm interlocking my fingers uh, straight up, and then I'm 
folding them out. I didn't oh, realize this is good radio. I didn't realize this was an ASMR podcast. Can you get closer <laughs> to the mic? Uh, Graham, what's your arbitrary review? I would give this movie three out of three sequels written and directed by Ryan Johnson. <laughs> All right. That bad, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Last of the Jedi, respect, but yeah. not in this trilogy. Graham, I just want to say thank you again for coming on the show. It's been great. Uh, hopefully we can have you again on sooner as opposed to two years later. Absolutely. And I would love to join and talk about something other than Star Wars. Not that I don't like talking about Star Wars. It's well, just that I watch other movies too. <laughs> we'll talk well, about Shrek. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> Specifically only Shrek the Third. Um, Graham, I hope it's not another seven years until I can see you again. We'll have to see each other sooner than that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. At my house in five years. Let's do five. I'm just joking. It's still, it's still a significant reduction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say so. Yeah. It's a good mark. As far as a, average, a little less than half. Yeah, as far as averages are speaking, I mean, we're getting better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you very much for joining us again for another spoiler cast of the Real Rant. Graham, is there one last word you'd like to say before we sign off? Metachlorian. And Nick, one last word. Friends. And scene.